Welcome to Live Well, Leave Well, a podcast from Singapore Hospice Council. I'm Sharon Chen, and together with Singapore Hospice Council's Executive Director, Bi Hia, we're going to look at different aspects of palliative care in each episode. For this episode, the theme is optimism. In palliative care, patients are in the final chapter of their life journey and facing up to their mortality. What does it mean to have optimism at the end of life? Perhaps it is a life well-lived before leaving, one in which the difficult moments can be met head-on, that a patient can have control over their own perspective. Perhaps it's about writing their life story, autonomy to live one's last days as they choose, and to overcome the hopelessness that can be associated with death. Our first guest is Suhaimi, a cancer patient who refuses to let his terminal diagnosis change his positive outlook on life. He values his independence and his last wish is to be able to volunteer to contribute to others and sharing his stories and values to encourage others. Uh, my name is Suhaimi. I'm 70 years old. I prostate cancer. Stayed for, then whatever doctor tell me I can live only four years. When I heard about my prostate cancer, I feel I lost all my lovely family. Life have to move on, even though I down a little bit. Thanks to the cancer society and the social workers, they come and visit. They give me motivate. From there, I learn something. Then I think, why not? I contribute something to ambulance wish or what. At least I never think negative. I always must think positive. This is my achieve what I want, be positive. Then try to encourage others who are suffering the same sickness like I am. This is what my target. Lah. My treatment, I see the specialist from UK. He said, hello, uncle, you are very strong. We give you a supplement of the medicine. You are not necessary to take chemo. Then I feel very happy. Lah. Still now I keep on the medicine. Until now I survive. Lah. My relationship and my friend have no chin at all. Has not normal. The rest I leave it to the God. This is what I believe. Lah. I love your positivity in your situation. How have others in your family reacted to this? Your grandchildren, how are they dealing with your cancer? That's your grandpa. I heard you get the cancer state for. I said, I don't believe whatever you think. Focus on your study. Think about your future. About grandpa, when the times come, God only know. Nobody knows. Then he said, you're so funny, grandpa. Like, you never feel anything. We feel sad if we lose you. I said, nothing to be sad. In this world, only temporary for us. But I want you to prove to grandpa you can move on, study hard, then you can achieve what you want. The Singapore Hospice Council slogan is living before leaving. Now, how do you apply this in your life now? Living means you have to move on. Before you're leaving this world, you must do something to benefit to others, especially the patient who are suffering like you. Don't condemn them. Don't say, I cannot survive all this and some more. You must living through what you're suffering. When you're living, at least they will think, oh, I feel proud on these people. You've lived a very full and exciting life. What is one piece of advice you would like to share? If they're down, 
we try come near to them, close to them. Then we say, the more you down, the more negative come in your mind. If the more negative control your mind, that means you nothing. Fight for it. Think positive. God always with you. Everything in the God hand. Then why not be happy? Don't worry. This is what my motivate to them. I married very young. When that time my age is 19 years old, when I come up from police academy, I getting married with my wife from Surabaya. Until now I married. You know, last time I never think about my health. When that time I helping my cousin move house or what, I never say I'm strong. The two door fridge I carry alone by myself go to the stickies. Now you know what? My wife tell me, this what happened to you? Never listen. For me, I believe all in the God hand. We good to the people, people we good to you. You do bad thing, karma will come to you. This why I believe. Don't disturb others. Respect everybody. Respect their religion. Respect themselves. Then you can gain the respect from others. You don't know how to respect people. People will say, "Butch up." That's my story, lah, of my life. Thank you for sharing your optimism in the face of your condition. It is heartening to hear Suhaimi talk so openly about death with his family. He leaves nothing unsaid and gives himself the freedom to live life however he pleases. Our next guest is a dietitian. Now, Singaporeans love their food, and our relationship with food can contribute greatly to how we respond to the adversity of a life-limiting illness. My name is Sumei. Currently, a principal dietitian as well as a manager in Yishun Community Hospital Nutrition and Dietetics Department. I also hold an appointment of head of department of nutrition and dietetics department in Yishun Health, which includes Yishun Community Hospital, Kutik Port Hospital, as well as MRT Medical Center. Food and eating mean different things to different people. Most view food as a source of nutrition and it's important to sustain life. Food is also very much a part of our culture, our daily life. Most of us greet our friends and family or colleagues by asking, have you eaten? What do you have for lunch? So it is a, actually a very social event. We tend to bond over food and that creates memories, provide comfort and pleasure. Food could be a person's love language. For example, a grandmother will cook some favourite dishes for the family. A father may bring their children out to their favourite foods to celebrate something. This really can all affect someone who's approaching the end of life because it may not happen much anymore or happen the way they used to work out with the events surrounding food. So understanding what food and eating mean for someone at the end of life is really very important because it means different things to different people and this will help guide conversation and care plan for the person. What challenges are there for someone with life-limiting illnesses when it comes to eating and drinking, and how does that affect their quality of life? The thing is that not everyone will face the same problems. Some actually may not have any problems at all, and I suppose those are the lucky ones. We have actually had patients who were able to eat and drink whatever they want and can tolerate that very well till the very end. However, most will have some form of issues with eating and drinking as their condition progresses. It may be due to perhaps discomfort from pain, maybe some digestive issues, or even short of breath while they are eating and drinking. Some functions may be limited, 
For example, most people would tend to sit upright to finish a meal, but they may not have the ability or the tolerance to sit long enough to finish the full meal. Or they may feel tired halfway through and not able to sustain their alertness. So they may not need to eat or drink as much. We need to calibrate these things and adjust whatever the condition asks for and what the patient can tolerate. And the key thing is that the conditions may fluctuate. There may be good days and bad days. And sometimes, actually good hours and bad hours as well. So we really need to catch those good times and try to support them with whatever they can eat and drink during that period of time. The healthcare professionals like myself as a dietitian, we work very closely with patients and their caregivers to moderate the expectations of what's going to happen and have a good understanding of the nature and the progress of the condition and also to adjust the goals of care. Some of the common issues that affects eating and drinking include things like dry mouth and lips, perhaps as mouth ulcers, some sore throat, difficulties with swallowing or what we call dysphagia. There may be nausea and vomiting, even changes in smell and taste. We have had a lot of people say that they cannot stand certain smells or even the sight of certain foods that they used to like a lot. In terms of function, it may really affect how they eat and feed. They may need a bit of help, maybe change the calorie or get something that is easier for them to reach out for. Say, for example, a cup of water, which is full. It may be a bit too heavy for some people who is very weak and feels tired most of the time. Some may feel that drinking directly from straw may be a bit difficult because you still need some strength to suck the fluids through the straw. Some people find it difficult to chew certain foods or they may feel that their dentures may not fit well anymore. So the foods need to be cut up or processed to the appropriate texture, perhaps need to be moist enough. On the flip side, there are some foods that may actually worsen the condition. Say uh, the food is a bit too spicy and it causes more discomfort in the mouth. So we will have to make changes to that. For people who can't finish their meals at one sitting, it may need to offer them more frequent meals, maybe in small bite-sized, easy-to-eat ones. The issue is that all this really impact on their quality of life, especially for those people who really enjoy food. Some patients share with me that they live to eat. If you are not able to enjoy some of their favourite foods, it really does impact their mood. And then because it is a social uh, event for most of us, they can't enjoy the food with the people they love or in the circumstance and the environment that they're used to that gives them good memories. So we really need to find different strategies that will also help them to enjoy the food in the process. Something so simple that we do daily, such as eating and drinking, can in fact have such a profound impact on the quality of life for patients. Can you share with us what a typical day is like for you as a dietitian and how you work with the rest of the palliative care team? As a dietitian, I try to address the patients' and families' concerns about some of the foods that they are worried about 
talking through all these things really to create a sense of relief for them and assurance that whatever they're doing is really out of love. The goal is to make sure that the patient is comfortable in terms of being able to eat something that will not adversely affect their condition even more and comfortable as well that it is something that they do enjoy in terms of the smell, the taste, the variety. There are really some patients that we are able to create good memories. So we have had many birthday celebrations in the hospital for patients, for families. We have created special dining experiences for them to have a dinner date with their loved ones. We hope that this will really create some positive memories for them. And there's also something good that they can talk about. It's an opportunity to say the things that's important and spend the quality time together with their families. That's wonderful, Sumei. As a dietitian, I do get referrals to see patients who are on palliative care. When I receive the referral, I will assess the patient's nutrition status, look out for some signs and symptoms that will affect many form of food intake. I try to understand what food and nutrition mean to them and I try to address their concerns about what they are worried about and explore strategies on how to provide the food that is comfortable for the patient to consume. I may also suggest nutritional supplements for those who have problems with eating enough or drinking enough or may actually need an additional boost to regain their strength so that they can go through certain treatments or certain therapy sessions. I work very closely with the patient's caregivers because sometimes they do feel like they want to bring food from home or get some of the patient's favourite foods that is a little bit unique to the patient's preference. But there may need to be certain things that we need to look out for. For example, certain food textures. So we work with them closely on how to identify which foods are appropriate and also how to prepare those so that it's easy enough for the patients to consume. Of course, for those with swallowing problems who cannot even eat or drink through the mouth or orally, I work out what the suitable nutritional supplements that can be fed through the feeding tubes. And once the nutrition care plans are in place, I monitor whether the patients are able to tolerate them and, of course, make adjustments as necessary. There's one lady who has a really great impact on myself as well as the team. Relatively young lady with two teenage sons. She has cancer. Her time, we know that is short. She used to cook curry chicken every week for her family and they born over the meal. And so her wish was to leave a legacy for her two teenage sons. So the whole team came together, literally everyone, the doctors, nurses, dietitians, of course, the therapists, social workers, all came together to create that environment to enable her to prepare the curry chicken together with her sons. And we managed to get her involved in even preparing the ingredients. And the sons were there receiving instructions from her, step by step on what to do with the ingredients and how to cook, how to see that the chicken is cooked well, things like that. It was beautiful. To me, it was love in action. The session really affirmed me that I'm not only a dietitian whose concern is that whether the patient is getting enough nutrients, but that I'm a healthcare professional. And I'm working the team with the same passion to support the patient and the loved ones as they go through this difficult journey together. 
working with people who is going through this journey is oftentimes difficult. What we see often is a roller coaster of emotions. It does remind me that life is truly short and I need to cherish the people around me. The importance of building good relationships with family, with friends, with colleagues are really uh, something that is very precious. It also makes me think regularly and reflect regularly on what is it that I want to be remembered for. That really helps me with my work, with trying to work on my life <laughs> as a daughter, as a wife, as a mother, as a friend, as a colleague. And one of the key things I learned is that I want to be kind. Sometimes it's not easy when there's different stresses that I'm experiencing, but to be kind is something that is very important. And it's one of the key values I hold to. To be kind to the people around me, whether they are patients, or caregivers, or family, friends, colleagues, and even to be kind to myself. Food means a lot of different things to everyone. It is a source of nutrition to nourish the soul and a wellspring for positivity in difficult times. Our last guest is Noraya, the wife of a patient diagnosed with end-stage lung disease. A caregiver's positive frame of mind when caring for someone with a terminal prognosis can create an atmosphere that helps to bring closure and recognition of a life well-lived. My name is Noraya Binti Atan, a wife of the patient Anwar bin Abdullah. What does being optimistic as a caregiver mean to you? I caregiven to my husband almost, I think, about how many years already. But only these few years, he become bad for the lung. So I have to take care of him all the time. Lah. Because I'm now not working housewife. I have to look after him, the mental and the physical also not so good. So same to me also, I have to be strong because I have to look after him and take care of him. I also sometimes got mental, physical also. Because not easy to look after a patient like this, we have to be strong and patients are more. Caregiving can be a journey full of ups and downs. Can you share some of the times when it was more difficult to go through and how you found little moments of happiness? Also, sometimes have, la, sometimes not too good la, for me. La. When the happiness, like I bring him, before he lie down on the bed, we got bring him to go for the holiday, make him happy. Until December, he cannot wake up, so we stop bring him for holiday. La. We just look after him at home and make him happy. That's all. Lah. And the kids also come and visit him every week. Sometimes he happy. Sometimes when the children come and see him, you all go outside, go outside, go and talk to us, go and eat, whatever there. He don't like the students stay inside for too long. Can caregiving be frustrating at times? Frustrated must have one. I think every person who look after this patient, of course, got frustration. Like me also, I have to be strong. Sometimes I make happy myself to look after him. Sometimes also I'm very sad. You know, I just sit lonely, I will cry. 
don't know who I want to share with this. Sometimes I feel like to share with my son, I share with him. It is easier said than done to be optimistic when a situation can feel overwhelming. At times like this, allow yourself to cry or release can help you to alleviate some of the pent-up stress. Having conversations and spending time with family can also help in feeling supported. Naraya, I imagine your connection with your husband must be so strong. My husband don't like other caregiver. He only want me on. His daughter also want to change her pamper, so he don't want. Only me alone. At hospital also like that. 24 hours I have to stay with him. That's why I say very difficult. Unless want to shower him also, he's the one. I wait for my wife come. Many Singaporeans have difficulty talking about end-of-life matters with their family. Has this been your experience? Their life, they're also working. I don't want to make it difficult for them. And they come and visit his father, it's okay already. I discuss with my son, all my kids. But what to say? Eh? His father now don't want to go to hospital anymore. He said he wants to die at home. They also cannot make any decision for his father because that is her wish. He said he don't want to go anymore to the hospital. I want to die at home. What I want to share is the share is still like that. Lah. Sometimes I'm angry also. You know how to look after this patient. Because last time also I got two patients also. My mother-in-law and my daughter-in-law. I took look after them also until they pass away. And this one, my husband is the third patient I look after. So I got a bit experience of this. Lah. My mother-in-law also is a cancer. My daughter-in-law also is cancer. Stayed four already. And now I look after my husband. But the challenge is too big for me. Lah. But I have to take it as a challenge for me to look after him. Until his life still have, I have to look after him. Thank you, Noraya. These three stories show us that we can still find the silver lining in tough times by focusing on the positive and engaging in activities that bring joy as well as allowing oneself the space to deal with emotions we can make the most of the time we have with our loved ones in this journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Live Well, Leave Well podcast from the Singapore Hospice Council. Do subscribe to our podcast on your podcast app so you'll be notified when we have a new episode on the second Friday of each month. Please share this podcast with someone who you think will appreciate knowing more about our work in palliative care. Learn more at our website, singaporehospice.org.sg.